Open your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. The name of the message today is Hope. Hope. Colossians chapter 1. One thing I've noticed in this world and talking with young people, talking with my daughter and talking with my son and other people too is there's not a lot of hope. There's a lot of fear. Fear of what's going to come. Fear of what's going to happen to the planet. Fear, fear, fear. And we know that just from watching the news that the news feeds on that, doesn't it? It just stirs it up even more. And, and we are naturally prone to fear. That's why the scripture says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> but all oh, the flesh, right? We're all susceptible to it, aren't we? Every single one of us. You know, we're, we're saved, but we're saved sinners, aren't we? You know, the flesh can, the flesh is, we battle that every day now, don't we? My, oh my. The spirit battles with the flesh all the time. And people will stir up fear about various things, some things that are so outlandish. And they're just stir up fear with it. My, oh my. Aliens are going to come. No, 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 all this stuff, right? There's going to be a world war. They're going to be, well, I, God's in charge, isn't he? Let man say what they're going to say. But God's in charge. Man dispose and make plans, right? Look at Germany, Italy, and Japan. They thought they were going to take over the world, didn't they? But the Lord had other plans, didn't he? Yeah. My, oh my, I'll tell you what. As I was talking to Brother Daniel, you know, men plan, but God disposes. Right? That's why... That's why it's written in the scriptures that if it be your will, Lord, I'm going to do that. Lord willing. That's why we say, Lord willing. We make plans. Well, Lord willing, if, if the Lord wills, it'll come to pass. If not, it just wasn't supposed to be. Right? Again, people stir up fear about climate. So much, so much that I recently heard that young couples are choosing not to have children because of fear of what might happen with the climate. My, oh my. But even there, we know if God wants them to have a kid, they're going to have a kid, aren't they? Right? <laughs> but still, though, just to think of that mentality, right? And it's all fear-based. It's all fear-based. You know? We often think, you know, oh, how's it going to be for our grandkids? Well, if they're the Lord's people, he's going to take care of them. 
right? You can take care of them. Here, make sure they're okay. Look what we've lived through. Look at the fears that come up in our lives sometimes. Have you ever noticed, though, that the Lord makes mountains of fears into mohills? He just plows them down. When I get fearful, it's usually because I'm trying to fix the situation that I'm going through by myself. Then I just got to release it, don't we? We got to just give it up to God, don't we? My, oh, my. So there's many things that, that make people fear. Some things that one person might fear, another person might say, that doesn't bother me at all. And vice versa, right? So there's things that might make you fear, that might not make me fear, but then there's things that might make me fear that, that you're like, well, oh, that's nothing. My, oh, my. Let's consider, though, in opposition to fear, let's consider the hope we have. You know, we as God's people, we have a hope that is greater than anything in this world. I'll tell you. And, and that hope is the anchor of our souls. That hope is Christ, beloved. It's Christ. My, oh, my. And remember... As Thomas More said, he said, we can look to Christ in any situation we're in. It doesn't matter how big it is to us or how small it is to us. We can look to Christ in no matter, and we, and we should really, right? <coughs> look to Christ in all the situations in life. Let's read verses, one, or verses 3 to 5 here in the book of Colossians. And let us remember, again, that our Lord is sovereign over all situations, all situations that we find ourselves in, God's sovereign over them all. Whether it's, whether it's something we did to get us into that situation, God's allowed it to happen, didn't he? He's still sovereign. He doesn't change. He's still everywhere with us, right beside us. An unchanging hope. Look at this. Colossians 1, verses 3 to 5. We give thanks to God. Paul's writing to the Colossian believers. And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. This is why we, we, we're to pray for one another, right? Lift each other up in prayer. I love the prayer chain. The ladies' prayer chain that you have going there. That's fantastic. You know, that's fantastic. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Look at this. And of the love which you have to all the saints. So a visiting preacher comes, man, they just love him like he's one of their own. Isn't that wonderful? For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Look at that. <coughs> a hope laid up in heaven for us. Who's in heaven? Christ. What a hope we have, beloved. What a hope we have in Christ. Where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? See, men and women in this world, they hear about the hope that believers have through the preaching of the word. 
through the preaching of the word of God. And by God's grace and his mercy, we believe. Right? We'd naturally, in our natural state, we'd be opposed to it. But by God's mercy and grace. Oh my. Draws us with loving cords. Gives us faith to believe on Christ. And oh, we just, we just embrace him. He becomes, as Paul wrote, he becomes our all in all. Everything to us. And no matter what situation you find yourself in, just look to Christ. Look to Christ. I know sometimes it's hard. We're going through circumstances. Norm, Norm Wells and I were talking this week, and, and I said, you know, a lot of times situations we go through catch us by surprise, and he goes, all the time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right, brother. We scratch our heads and say, I wonder why this is happening. One way to look at trials and tribulations is, what are you teaching me here, Lord? What are you teaching me? And you know, I always find that when, when you go through certain things, it draws you closer to Christ. It does. Oh, my. So verse 4, look at this. Brings forth the faith and love which our brethren at Colossus had for all the saints. Now marvel at this. This faith is a gift of God. This faith they have is a gift of God. They were a bunch of idol worshipers. In Colossus, they were they were Greeks, or they 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 were yeah they were they were Gentiles. They had no interest in 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 God, as you said, brother Tom. One time when we were talking during that time, there was multiple thousands of different gods that people bowed to. That's the, that's the place that we that we we find that our brethren were in, and here comes Christianity. Says there's only one God. Talk about flip their lives upside down. They've been given alms to this God of the woods and this God of the weather and this God of this over here. And someone comes and preaches that there's only one true living God. The truth. The truth. And look what, look what happened. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, they heard the gospel. And by God's grace and mercy, by God-given faith, they embraced Christ. Think of that. No wonder they were ostracized by their families. Some of them were probably idol makers at one time. Some of them were probably, who knows? They, they all probably offered up sacrifices to idols in the past. And here they are. We don't need to do that anymore. We have a hope. We have a hope. And, and think of the contrast this way. With the false gods, they always had to give things. Right? With Christ, there's nothing we give. We're the receivers of God's grace and mercy. We don't give anything. He did it all. What a contrast then in that time, right? No wonder, no wonder the Greeks said, that's foolishness. Because all their lives they had been raised up to do these things. To fall, follow in the footsteps of their parents. My oh my. 
so marvel at the, the gift of God's faith to them in Christ Jesus. Marvel at their love for Christ. Here they are, one time they, they love self, they love the idols that they worship, they love all this other stuff in the world, like you said, Brother Tom, the world stuff, all the stuff in the world, that's what, that's what natural man loves. And now they, Christ is my all. Christ is my all. He's my all in all now. He's everything I want. What a change. No wonder family members and friends went, what happened to him? We've heard that before, haven't we? What happened to him? He's not the same. No, he's a new creature in Christ. He's born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Now he's rejoicing in the hope that he has. And so these saints that that visited Coloss would speak about the love for the brethren that these folks had. Do you know before I came here, that was spoken of this church too. And I, I've experienced it now. It was spoken to me by several preachers. John Claude was one of them. said, those folks, they just love the brethren. They love the gospel. That's true. I found that out. It's true. And I see us growing as a congregation in the love of Christ, in the love for one another. My, oh, my. And that's all, you know, praise be to God, too. And, and, and be thankful to God that, that, that that's spoken of us because that's the Holy Spirit's work. That's him working in us and through us. Now, we don't, we don't see it, right? We're like, oh, man, I'm just such, still, such a sinner. So, right? That's what we, <laughs> you know. And then someone comes in and they say, wow, this is wonderful. That's the Holy Spirit. He's done that in us. And through us. He gets all the glory. Again, God gets all the glory. There's nothing we've done, beloved. And who's the object of their faith? Well, we see in this verse, in verse 4, we see who the true object, the, the, the object of the faith of God's people is Christ Jesus our Lord. It's him. He is the object of our faith. Look what it says in verse 4. It's so clear here. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus... So a mark of a true believer is they're born again by the Holy Spirit of God and they have faith in Christ and him alone. And then look, remember I told you that one thing Satan can't counterfeit is the love that, that, that God's people have for Christ, for the scriptures, for each other. He can't counterfeit that. He can counterfeit a lot of things, but he cannot counterfeit that. And look, look what's spoken here. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, so he's the object of their faith, and of the love which you have to all saints, all the saints, everywhere. Someone comes in, we embrace them like they're one of our own, don't we? Yeah. That's why I saw Daniel today. I was like, good to see you, my dear brother. Right? We have brothers and sisters all over the world, beloved. All over the world. <laughs> oh my. So the object of their faith is Christ and him alone. And he's the object of God-given faith. And that faith, again, I, I, I never emphasize it enough. That faith comes from God. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you have faith in Christ, 
You're blessed. You're very blessed. Blessed man or woman because God's given you that. Isn't that wonderful? And, and this is, see, there's been a contrast now, right? Just like there has been in our lives. There's a time when we didn't believe. And now he's precious. Now he's precious. Now we love him. Now we love the brethren. Now we love the gospel. That's a work of God. That's a work of God. Rejoice, beloved, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a work of God. It's absolutely wonderful. And the Lord Jesus Christ is their only rest. They don't have any other rest. Christ is their rest. They trust him and him alone. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. He's their only hope. They've hung their eternal salvation, their, the, the, the salvation of their souls on Christ and Christ alone. Is that not what we've done too, eh? He's everything. You take away Christ, I don't have anything. I have no hope then. But what a hope we have. Oh, what a hope we have. We have a strong consolation. Strong hope. That's Christ. That's Christ and him alone. Oh, my. So marvel. Marvel at what God's done with these folks. They were idol worshipers. Marvel at what he's done. Now they love Christ. They love the gospel. They love the brethren. What a work of God. It's absolutely incredible. And it all comes about by his almighty power. See, we, we humans, we brag about our strength, or we brag about our intellect, or we brag about something we can do. We brag about... You know we have no power to save ourselves? And you know that the strength eventually is going to wane, right? Our, our mental intellect, I forget more things than I've ever remembered. Now, I'll tell you what. <laughs> right? <laughs> the older we get, the older we get. Right? So all that stuff starts to decline, right? My, oh my. Here we go. My, but we have a hope in Christ, don't we? So everything that man trusts in is eventually going to decline. But Christ is our hope, isn't he? He never changes. He's our strength. Right? He's our wisdom. He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He's our redemption. And he never changes. Oh, my. See how secure we are in Christ? It's wonderful, beloved. It's wonderful. So here, the marvel at the, the love of God, which has been wrought in, their, in them by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. God's love is shed abroad in their hearts, just like Scripture says, right? And that's true for all of us as believers, too. All done by his almighty power. Oh, my. And the Scriptures declare, that again, that the here, it, it clearly dis declares their faith in Christ and their love for the brethren. Just uh, one commentator said that love, love for the brethren is like cement that holds bricks together. And that, that's the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. And it, it, it keeps us together, doesn't it? Okay. The love of God and, and the blood of Christ is like cement. 
and we're all, we're all held together. You know, Scripture says we're a temple being made, fitly framed by God. Right? We're, we're a rock put in there. He's the foundation. Oh, isn't it wonderful? It's absolutely wonderful, beloved. My, oh, my. And how wonderful it is to know that God's working in us. Isn't that amazing? We don't see our own growth. Others see it, but we don't see it. But isn't that amazing that, that we, we have love for God? We love, have love for Christ. We have faith in Christ and love in Christ. We have love for the brethren. God's wrought all that in us. And that's amazing. When you consider our natural state, quiet strength, temperance, moderation. Against such there's no law. Look at that. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another or envying one another. Be content. Let's just be content where we are, where the Lord's got us. Isn't that wonderful? And even contentness, the Lord makes us content, doesn't he? Because sometimes we're discontent by nature. But it makes us content. So we see how verse 5 fits in with verse 4. This hope here. This hope we have within us. It's wrought in us by the Holy Spirit of God. Let's read verse 5 again. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. What a hope we have. We have a, we have a hope, the scripture says. And what a hope that hope is. Who's our hope in? Christ. Who is Christ? God incarnate in the flesh. My Savior, my Redeemer, my Lord, and my King. My everything. Is it so for you? Oh, it's wonderful. And our hope, note, note that our hope's not in ourselves. Where, where's the hope? Laid up in heaven. Our hope's not in ourselves. We, we may have used to hope in ourselves before the Lord saved us. Our hope's not in ourselves anymore. If we're hoping in ourselves, that's a groundless hope. If, if a person's hoping in their, in their supposed works to get them to heaven, that's a groundless hope. As Henry used to say, that's a refuge of lies. But what a hope we have in Christ. He who is God is our hope. God is our hope, beloved. Oh, what a hope. Our hope, again, is not in ourselves. It's not in our works. Our hope is in Christ and what he has done in our room and place. That he fulfilled God's law and justice in our room and place. It's he who has done that. That which is impossible for us, right, is possible with God. It's wonderful. This is, this is wonderful news for sinners. This is a hope that can't be shaken by anything in this world because it's Christ. Now, we could go like that, can't we? 
in our faith. As things come, we're up and down. But see, he's the constant. Like I always say, he's the con- he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the unchanging one. That's who our hope is. My, oh, my. Now, he's the object of our faith, and he's the anchor of our soul. You know, them big ships in the, in the ocean, they could be being tossed to and fro, and they drop down an anchor, right? And that anchor hits that, hits that seabed, and it just gets ground in there. And that ship being tossed about to and fro in a storm, and the anchor's holding. We're tossed to and fro in this world, aren't we? But where's our anchor? In heaven. I remember hearing one commentator say that, that <clears throat> it's like we're on, a, we're on a sea and the anchor's on the other side. <laughs> Anchored to the ground, that being Christ. And we're being slowly bought home. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Our anchor don't move. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's absolutely wonderful. And he's the object of our love, and therefore we love those who love Christ, don't we? We also love our friends and our family, but there's a special bond between God and his people. And there's a special bond between God's people with each other. There's a special bond. My, oh, my. And think of this. He's the object of our hope while we're here on this earth. And one day we're going to see him face to face. All because of his death on Calvary's cross. All because he redeemed our eternal souls with the shedding of his precious, precious blood. That's the only reason we're going to see him. God chose us. Christ redeemed us. The Holy Spirit regenerated us. And they're going to take us home, aren't they? It's wonderful. And you know what makes heaven heaven? Not that our relatives are there, although although those who have gone before us who were believers, it's going to be wonderful to see them. But you know what what, what makes heaven heaven? Christ. You could ask any believer that we know that's there already. Well, we can't, but if you did, they'd say Christ is everything. Unto him who's washed us. Oh, my It's going to be amazing. And when we get there, heaven will be heaven because of Christ. For us, too. My. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 6. I read this in Sunday school, but it's worth reading again here in, in, uh, in this message here. Hebrews chapter 6. Who is the hope of all true believers? Christ and him alone. There's no one else. Again, we don't hope in ourselves anymore. We don't hope in situations in this world. We hope in Christ and him alone. He is the constant hope for the believer. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 to 20, it says, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation. Now that word consolation there, that word consolation is hope in the Greek. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold Upon the hope set before us. See, in the preaching of the gospel, there's a hope set before sinners. Christ. 
Christ in Christ alone. He's our hope, isn't he? Which hope we have is what? An anchor of the soul. He is the anchor, beloved. Now, if we're anchored to Christ, can anything happen to us? Can we lose our salvation? No, we're anchored to the king. And this is, a, this is the fallacy of those who say you can lose your salvation. We're in God's hands. Who's going to take us out of his hand? No one, hey sister, no one, amen. No one. It's impossible. My, it's wonderful. It's absolutely, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both, look at this, sure and steadfast. Now that's who Christ is. He's sure and he's steadfast. Yes, the rock, the immovable rock. Like I said um, in Sunday school where the rock is there and the wrath of God is falling upon that rock, which is Christ, and here we are, hidden behind him. Hidden behind him. Shelter in a time of storm. That's what Christ is for us. Both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's in glory, beloved. And where he is, we're soon going to be following. And we believed. We who have believed have a joyful and a confident anticipation of eternal salvation, don't we? We, we have a confident anticipation we're going to be with Christ. All because of what he's done. All because of what he's done. And our trust and our hope, of co- our confidence of eternal life is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the anchor of our souls. And what a good hope we have. An unchanging hope. Sure and steadfast. My, oh my. Faith, hope, and love always go together. And you know where they find their end? Faith, hope, and love? Do you know where they find their end? In Christ. Right? Our faith is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. And our love is for Christ. All finds, it, all, it all finds its end in Christ. My, oh, my. And think of this hope we have in Christ. It was purposed by the Father. It was purposed by the Father. It was purchased by the Son. And it was placed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God. I didn't have this hope before the Lord saved me. I had no hope before the Lord saved me. Was it so for you? Now I've got a hope. Oh, my. And it's wonderful. And we say, oh, the matchless grace of, of Jesus. Let's think upon this. Let's just think upon this. God himself became a man. God himself. Scripture says the heavens can't contain him. In Isaiah, we, see, we have a picture of him. And the posts are moving at his voice. God himself became a man. The Son of God became a man and then went and died and bled in Calvary, at Calvary's cross as our substitute. 
He really did this. Willingly. Willingly. That we might be redeemed. That we might be saved from all our sins. That we might be forgiven of all our sins. One of my favorite portions of scripture. I know you guys hear me say that all the time. But look at, look at this over in... Um, in uh, I went too far. Look at this in Colossians. Chapter 2. Look at this. This is, this is magnificent. Think of all of our sins. Right? And think of how all our sins, the law cries out, death must be satisfied, must be paid, right? All of them. Look at this. This is, this is, this is absolutely magnificent. Colossians chapter 2. We're starting verse... Uh, 12. Buried with him in baptism wherein you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Born again by the operation of God. Who hath raised him from the dead. And you. That's us. That's you and I. That's the Colossians who he's right to. You. Being dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together. That's made alive in the Greek born again. We were dead. We were completely dead spiritually. Hath quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All means all there, beloved. I love this part here. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. So back in the day, they, they used to write, they used to write uh, things on a, a piece of paper, ordinances that was against the thief or whatever, and they would nail it either to the prison door or they'd nail it to the, to the cross, right? All these things that were, they, were, they were accused of. Look at this. How did he blot it out? With his blood. All those things that were against you and I, beloved, have been blotted out. In the Greek, that means whitewashed. There's nothing, there's nothing, not even a fraction of anything to see anymore. They're gone. They're gone. Blotting out the handwriting ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. It is finished. Saved by the grace of God. So gospel preachers, we stand up now and we proclaim a salvation that's finished. It's already done. It was done 2,000 years ago. Isn't that wonderful? And God the Holy Spirit applies that to our hearts. We're born again. He died for me. Oh, and then we're joyful, aren't we? Then we have peace, don't we? Oh my, it's wonderful. It says, in heaven spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Look at that. In the Roman times, you've heard me say this, they had a triumph. The general would come in and into Rome, and there'd be all these, this, the, they, they'd bring in the legions that were involved. Usually the top legion that, that distinguished itself would walk with the, 
and the general would come in at the front in a golden chariot. And behind him would be the legions marching, or uh, choice legions. And then there would come carts depicting the battle, and behind them would come prisoners being dragged, chained up behind them. The Lord spoiled the princes and principalities. He crushed Satan at the cross, beloved. Crushed him. Oh, my. Satan bruised his heel. That's speaking of his humanity. But he crushed the head of the serpent. My, oh, my. It's wonderful. What a savior. God himself became a man and redeemed us. And then he was raised for our justification. It's absolutely amazing that God would do that. And he's the surety of all his chosen blood-bought people. He sealed our pardon, beloved. He sealed our pardon with his blood. He ratified the covenant with his blood. Our pardon, forgiveness, is stamped with the blood of Christ. Paid in full. That's wonderful, isn't it? What a hope we have. The blood of the one we hope in was shed for us to purchase our souls. Oh, and then he sits now at the right hand of God, interceding for us as our mediator, as our mediator who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. He purged them, beloved. Isn't that wonderful? What did he do? After that, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He's there right now. Isn't that wonderful? He's king. He's reigning right now. And he's the He's the perfect and only mediator between God and man. My, oh my. He's wonderful. And he sealed the everlasting covenant again with his precious, precious blood. And our hope and our assurance is that that we who believe are redeemed and purchased by that blood. And then we'll see him face to face because of that blood. Do you know there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ as believers? Nothing. Say, oh, my sinfulness. God, don't remember your sin no more. Now, we repent, don't we? We come to Christ constantly and confess our sins. Oh, my, what a merciful God. He has the power to save and he has the power to keep. Scripture says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, with according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a, a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. A lively hope, a living hope. Our hope is a living hope. Yeah. I went to somebody's house this week, and they had crosses on the wall. And I remember seeing those, because I grew up a Catholic, and they got a, they got a dead Jesus. He's not there anymore. We have a living hope. Our our Lord was taken down from the cross, buried, and he rose again. And he lives. I love that song. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus 
lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. Right? He's alive. We have a living hope, beloved. And, and think of his mercy. Think of how, how boundless his mercy is. He's forgiven us of all our sins and he did it by the giving of his life. That's mercy. And he forgives all our trespasses as we saw there in Colossians chapter 2. All of them. Every single one. Even the ones we can't remember. And even the ones we weren't even conscious of doing. My. I ran into a guy one time. He said, I'm not a sinner. I said, are you married? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you ever get angry at your wife? He didn't know what to say. Well, there you go. My, oh, my. <laughs> yeah. He raises us up from our state of deadness spiritually and makes us alive, as we saw in Colossians 2 again. He removes the filthy rags of our self-righteousness in which we are not fit to be in the presence of God, and he clothes us in his perfect righteousness. So we're fit to be in the presence of God now, beloved. Isn't that amazing? Again, God looks at us. He doesn't see us. He sees Christ. My. And then he takes us home to glory, to be with him forever. How merciful is our God. Oh, that's abundant mercy. So our hope of eternal life is in Christ, who's in heaven. And we're going to be with him one day. Peter says this, that we have an inheritance to, a, to an inheritance in, incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. Well, if it's incorruptible, that means we can't mess it up, right? If it's undefiled, we can't mess it up. You know why? Because our inheritance is not based upon ourselves. Our inheritance is in Christ. That's who our inheritance is. And then it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith. See, our hope is Christ, kept by the power of God through faith. It's God who keeps us too. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Magnificent. Magnificent. Kept by the power of God. The same power that it takes to save a sinner, to regenerate a sinner, same power keeps us. Same power, take us home to glory. Isn't it wonderful? It's absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Oh, my. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. My, oh, my. Look at this. Verses 16 and 17. You know, Paul, wasn't, he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul knew that the gospel was the power of God unto salvation. It, in the Greek, it's the dumis. The dynamite of God. But when it says power there, it's the dynamite of God, beloved. Boom. Blows up everything we thought. <laughs> Could get us to heaven, doesn't it? Oh, my. Reveals to us that we're just, we were hoping in a hopeless ground, weren't we? Oh, my. Look at this. This is wonderful. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the dynamite power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. Look at that. To everyone that believes, 
The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's God, God's wrought this. Look at this. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. To all peoples. We're a people. God's elect is a people chosen out of all the tribes and kindreds and tongues of this nation, of this world. Jew means the Jewish nation. Gentiles means all the rest of us. Because Gentiles were anyone that was outside of the nation of Israel. So look at that. Isn't that wonderful? For there, now look, what's revealed in the gospel? I love this. What's revealed in the gospel? The righteousness of God. Who's the righteousness of God? Christ. Who's the Lord our righteousness? Christ, right? Look at this. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. It's a revelation. See, we do not know God outside of him revealing himself to us. That's why, what a hope we have. We couldn't know God on our own, and he, he by, by his mercy and grace, chooses to reveal himself to us. All because of his everlasting love that's been set upon us from eternity. It's, it's just amazing. It's, grace just is more and more amazing. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, it says there, the just. Right? We're only just. We're only called that because we're in Christ. Now, how will we live? By faith. Who's the object of our faith? Christ. Who's the hope of our hearts? Hope of our salvation? Christ. It all goes back to him, beloved. It all continuously just goes back to him. Let's go back to our text there in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. We'll look at the second part of this verse now. We're almost done. It says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? Now this here section, the second section, we see the importance of gospel preaching. Right? Because we know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Look at this. Where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? Now Epaphras was a faithful preacher of the gospel. Look at verse 6. He's the one who told Paul about the love that the Colossian believers had for one another and for Christ, the faith they had in Christ. Look at this. Verse 6, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. See, before they did not know the grace of God in truth. They didn't know Christ before. As ye have also... As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now remember when the fruits of the Spirit is love? Notice that's capitalized. That's speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, the love. My, oh my. In Epaphras, he gave a good report. He gave a good report of how the saints are at, were at Colossus. You know, each time we preachers get together on the phone, we're, we give each other good reports of, of what's going on. You know? Need anything you pray for? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, pray for that. Okay, no problem. How's it going? The Lord's good. The Lord's good. My, oh, my. So Paul rejoices that the saints in Colossus have heard the word of the truth. They've heard it. And they've heard it 
and God's given them faith to believe. My, oh, my. Give them hearing ears, seeing eyes to look to Christ. Think upon this about the preaching of the gospel. You know we're delivered from the power of darkness through the preaching of the gospel? Look at verse 13 and 14 here. Same chapter. Look at this. If the gospel was not preached, we would not be delivered. Look at this. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That's what we hear in the gospel, isn't it? That's what the gospel declares. Every time the gospel's preached, it declares redemption through Christ's blood and the forgiveness of sins. And when we're born again, you know what? When we're born again, we're taken. We, look at this. We were under the power of darkness. We're not anymore. We've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. By the preaching of the word. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. We'll look there. It'll bring forth Romans chapter 10. It's through the preaching of the gospel that we hear of Christ. Now, someone might say, well, well I was reading the Bible and, and the Lord saved me. Now, some would say, well, oh, that can't. Is not that person, is not, the, when we read the Bible, is Matthew not preaching to us? Eh? You see? Is, is John not preaching to us? Paul's preaching to us through Galatians, isn't he? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? It's God's word. Now we know the emphasis on preaching is, is, is we're going to see her. It's, it's so important. But these, these brethren in these words, they preach to us, beloved. My, oh, my. I remember someone saying to, that, to me, they said, well, it's got to be by the preaching of the word. I said, well, I'm reading Paul, man. He's preaching to me. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. It's wonderful, isn't it? Look at this. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 17. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? That's a wonderful verse. How then shall they call on him and who they not believed? How, how can you call on someone you, 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 you don't believe in? How can we call on Christ as our hope when we don't believe in him? Right? Before we're saved. Right? And how shall they believe in him of whom they not heard? See, I'd never heard of the true, the true Christ of the gospel before the Lord saved me. I heard, of, I heard of a God that I had in my imagination and that other people had added stuff to. But it wasn't, it wasn't the Christ of the Bible. Look at this. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher, right? Well, like I said, is Paul preaching to us? When we're reading the scriptures, he sure is. He sure is. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Was Paul sent? Yeah. Was I sent? Yeah, by the grace of God. Was other gospel preachers sent? Yeah. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good, glad tidings of, of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? That's in Isaiah 53. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it's so important to preach the gospel. That's why it's so important to send it out into the world. 
right? God saves his saints through the preaching of his word. It's wonderful. So gospel preaching is vital. My, oh, my. Now, there's no guarantee that if we bring some of our family members to church, there's no guarantee, right, that the Lord will save them. Right? But how can they know about Christ if they never hear about him? Right? My, oh, my. My. There'd be, if, if they're one of God's, if there's one of God's people, they'd be regenerated under the preaching of the gospel. God must save them, and he uses the preaching of his word. The gospel is the power of God, as we saw in Romans, unto salvation to everyone that believes. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Again, this is why it's so important. As Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's dynamite of God. How else can a sinner learn about, about he, is the, he who is the hope of other sinners except through the preaching of the word? I met one guy one time when I was out in Oregon. He said, I've never heard the gospel. And I looked at him and I said, really? He was like 23 years old. I said, you've never, ever, ever heard it? He goes, no. No one's ever told me about it. Oh, he heard it. He heard it that day. But he, he was raised in an agnostic family. Said he had no interest in hearing nothing. You know, that, that day he was ordained to hear about the gospel of Christ. So there are people out there who've never heard the gospel. My, oh, my. Think of it. Before we, before we were saved, we may have been sitting in a church. We may have heard the gospel of God's grace being preached and it went right over our heads. But then one day, we heard something, didn't we? Oh, my. We heard something. And God gave us faith to believe. My, oh, my. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. The gospel of God's grace is all truth. Scripture says this, in whom you have trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. Again, after you trusted or you believe, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See, for each believer, the gospel is the gospel of our salvation. Right? In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means you're marked. People talk about this mark of the beast and all this. I'm already marked. That's what that means. That's over in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Sealed there means you're marked. God's people, we're sealed. We're marked. You're God's. And, and it, it goes back to when they used to do shipping and all that. And each person who had the property would stamp it with their own stamp. We're stamped. Somebody starts going off about the mark of the beast. Say, oh, sorry, I'm already marked. I'm sealed by God. That's what that means. Sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now the word, the word in our text here, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard? That word heard there? 
You know what it means in the Greek? To be endowed with a faculty of hearing. To be given ears to hear. That is wonderful, isn't it? So let's read verse 5 with that in, in our minds again. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard or you were given, endowed with the faculties to hear, right? Before in the word of the truth of the gospel. That's magnificent. Those who at one time didn't hear anything, us in our natural state, now we hear something, don't we? <laughs> it's wonderful. I'll tell you what. It doesn't get any better than that. It's just amazing. My, oh, my. So rejoice. If you're a believer, rejoice. God's given you ears to hear. He's given you ears to hear. My, and the gospel is the, the word of truth. The word of truth. In, yeah, I'm, I'm going to close with this. Think upon this. <clears throat> the gospel of God is timeless. It's absolutely Timeless. We've seen cultures change since the time of Christ, right? Or even think of since the, since the world began. We've seen cultures change. We've seen civilizations raised up, right? And empires fall, right? We've seen, we've seen the rise of technology. We've seen where we are now, where we basically carry things we used to see in Star Trek in our pockets now communicators and we have access to anything we want on the internet right information wise you want to find out about something you can find out about it never had anything like that when I was a kid you know what we used to have to do go to the library pull the books out <laughs> Travis is smiling pull the books out and read up about it now you just go on YouTube and you can find you can find anything on YouTube. It's amazing. And books that we books that we that that we preachers use that we couldn't even find that are out of print. You can find them. They've been scanned some of them on Google Books. It's amazing. But you know what? Centuries have gone by. Humanity's changed with gadgets and governments and cultures. But you know what's remained unchanged? The gospel. The word of God. Where the philosophers that spoke against this word? They're gone. They're dead. Where are the people that shook their fist at God? In the times of the Romans, they're all dead. Where are the persecutors of the brethren? They're all dead. My, oh my. This gospel contains nothing but truth. Nothing but truth, beloved. All truth is found in the scriptures. And think of this. The, the brethren at Colossus were being bombarded by, by philosophers, by false teachers, by all the idols that they lived amongst. They were all being bombarded by all those things. Their family members saying, what happened to you? 
Oh my. Angel worshipers, Judaizers, lies. But this gospel has never changed. It speaks of one who gave his life for sinners. Of one who is God in the flesh. Of one who shed his blood, gave his life to redeem his people. And he, he was the hope of these folks. These saints at Colossus had the same hope you and I have in Christ. Isn't that amazing? And this gospel proclaims Christ as a great substitute, the sinner substitute. And it proclaims that God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So remember, when fear comes, and it will, when it rears its head in our lives, remember the hope we have. Remember the unchanging hope we have. Remember he who is the anchor of our soul, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Same yesterday, today, and forever. And remember, he's sovereign in every situation we find ourselves in. Every single one of us.